Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Cameron Goodman. He's the founder of the Goodman Law Firm, an experienced Chicago area firm specializing in divorce and family law. In addition to his law degree, Mr. Goodman also holds a certificate in litigation and alternative dispute resolution from Chicago Kent College of Law and a certificate in divorce mediation from Northwestern University. He's a fellow in the International Academy of Collaborative Law Professionals and has an active collaborative practice. Cameron's goal is to treat his clients the way he would expect to be treated himself. Welcome, Cameron Goodman. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, you know, Goodman Law Firm is a Chicago-based firm that's very similar in mission to yours. Um, I look forward to chatting today about that. Yeah, and I'm really happy to have you on the show. I mean, it, we're we're sort of in really challenging times right now, and really challenging for people, I think, who are are divorcing or have been divorced, with regard to having to know what to do with their kids and their custody plans and traveling and all of that. And are you experiencing a lot of those kinds of issues with your clients? Absolutely. Absolutely. What the courts are, how the courts are treating these issues, differences in counties, a lot of situations, the courts just aren't offering a lot of, um, a lot of remedies for clients right now. And they're they're sort of forced into the situation of having to uh, be more flexible and work with their spouses in the best interest of their kids. Yeah, and that's not always so easy to do. I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. In New York, at least, our courts are still closed for new actions, and they were just closed tight <laughs> for a few weeks there, and, and there's very, still very limited access. And, and there's no real guidance as to how to deal with these issues, you know, in terms of how to think about the dangers of the COVID virus versus the importance of maintaining a good parenting plan. How are you advising your clients to sort of think about those those challenges? Well, I, I think I'm advising them to, I think, sort of try to love their kids more than they hate their ex-spouse, to uh, put a fine point on it, and prioritize their needs, you know, over those of their own. If they're, um, you know, maybe it might involve a situation where we have a couple that lives in two different states, one state less locked down and and less problematic from a COVID-19 standpoint, and the other may live in, say, New York or New York City. And, uh, you know, trying to find ways of minimizing travel, minimizing the exchanges during COVID-19, trying to minimize the the minor children's exposure during COVID-19 might mean that um, they have to make some adjustments to their parenting schedule that they weren't previously considering. You know, one thing, Cameron Goodman, that I find is that the COVID situation often just exacerbates an underlying issue that's already there. And what I'm thinking about is where there's a lack of trust. You know, one parent doesn't think that the other parent takes, you know, enough cautions, doesn't feed the children right, doesn't trust them appropriately. And now all of a sudden, 
you have an issue where that same issue shows up and the more careful, cautious, critical parent thinks the other one is too loosey-goosey with COVID mm-hmm. protections. And it's very hard to know, since we don't really know, right, what it is that we should advise people to do and what's an appropriate, it seems like what seems like an appropriate level of, I don't know, free flow, but in each parent getting their own parenting style and that's being fine might not be appropriate. And what seems overly controlling might be totally appropriate under these circumstances. What do you think about that? I think it's a big problem. I think it's almost a kind of a dichotomy of the view viewpoints that people have on, on this crisis. You know, some, I mean, there are people who are flying. It's, uh, and you know, the variety and, and how people look at this and, and what they think of it, whether that's for political reasons or, or whatever the reason might be, it, uh, it really creates a situation where the courts are kind of stuck with following what the particular state's order provides for. And what I'm finding is that, uh, in order to get emergency relief for a scenario similar to sort of what you're describing there, they are requiring that the child have a pre-existing medical condition that might make the child more susceptible to contracting COVID or would make it more severe, like asthma. It's difficult to get a lot of relief from the courts right now, in Illinois anyway. So what relief is you're saying that so for a parent who wants to restrict the exchange of the children or restrict in some ways what has been a previously agreed on or ordered custody schedule, that the only relief that your Illinois courts are seeing are giving is if the child, him or herself, is at risk for um, very severe case of the coronavirus. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I think that's yeah. right. Like, and one example might be, say, we've got a, a healthcare professional as for one as one parent, um, which is you know certainly a scenario that that has uh, come up a number of times in the media, uh, and the other parent you know is not, and the argument being that that healthcare uh, worker parent is not self-quarantining or finding a way to sort of wall themselves off from the family, which many of them are doing, the other parent doesn't have a lot of remedy with respect to that. And, and what do you think? Imagine that you have parent, one parent who's on the front lines, an essential worker, healthcare worker or something, and, and that person says, you know what, I'm going to separate myself from the children for this period of time and limit my time with them or just not see them at all in person. And do you think that that would have a negative impact on a post-pandemic parenting plan or a positive one? Hmm. I know it's not an easy question. No, it's not. I think that the parent who self-quarantines, the healthcare worker parent who self-quarantines, you know, is, I think, going to be, I think it's going to be viewed favorably after this is over. You know, I, I think parents who are kind of taking advantage of the situation, meaning the fact that there isn't a lot of relief available from the court system at the moment, I think that's going to be used against them later on. I think so, too. But you know, it's really interesting because we often tell our clients, make sure you see those kids. Make sure that you're an involved parent, particularly if they're you know, about to be involved in or in the middle of a, of a custody trial or litigation like that. And here we might be saying, you know what, it actually might be prudent and show your best parenting to not do that given certain circumstances. Do you think that's true? I 100% agree. I think it shows good parental judgment. That parent is putting their needs and interests, um, the child's needs and interests above their own. And I think that's the definition of good parenting, or at least part of it. Yeah. And do you think, Cameron Goodman, that 
in your experience of working with your clients, do you think that it makes a difference, the, the parents' ability to work together during this pandemic or really kind of any kind of crisis is impacted by the process they're in? I mean, if they're a mediation client or a collaborative divorce client versus a litigation client, do you see a difference there? Absolutely. I mean, the, the people that, that elect to choose the collaborative process are almost by definition working well together, at least at least working well enough together to, to make it through this and have a, a coordinated, mirrored set of ground rules for both households. Parents that are involved in high conflict litigation, it's, you know, there's usually a big difference between how they're approaching this, which is leading to problems that are not, not great for the kids. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WBOX 1460 AM in Westchester, New York, every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. And we're also available as a podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm talking today with Cameron Goodman. He's an attorney based in Chicago, and we're talking about the impact on parenting plans and travel and all of those things because of the COVID pandemic. And Cameron Goodman, talk a little bit about why you think it is that you said that parents who are in the collaborative process almost by definition work better together. Talk a little bit about what that is and why. Well, I mean, it, in order to be a part of the collaborative process or be involved in the collaborative process, generally speaking, we screen out people who are high conflict or, you know, are just or if there's an abuse issue or, you know, those are the more difficult cases to do collaboratively. Not impossible. just more difficult. And, you know, for people that are good parents, they're just not good spouses. And they both understand that. And and they both want to do the best that they possibly can for their kids uh, are doing much better in the situation than, say, people who are involved in a scorched earth, high conflict divorce, uh, where they can't even talk to each other, much less try to come up with a, a mirrored set of ground rules for both homes. Do you think everybody that is in the litigation process is in a scorched earth type approach? No, not everybody. I think that, you know, for folks that are doing uncontested divorces or even moderately, you know, litigated divorces, they might be litigating about financial issues and agree completely on parenting issues. So I don't think it's everybody. But, you know, on the continuum of conflict going all the way to, you know, scorched earth high conflict, where they can't even talk to each other and, you know, they're really not. They're really not putting the, the needs of their, their children above their own. You know, I know that we use that expression scorched earth in the in the matrimonial law profession all the time, but I'm thinking that maybe our listeners don't know what that is. Can you just, just define what it is you're talking about when you say scorched earth? Yeah, sure. Most of the issues in the litigation are in dispute. The parties are genuinely showing, you know, a high degree of acrimony towards each other. They're litigating about everything, um, even if they can't afford it. And in large part, to some degree, kind of out to really hurt the other party. And at least that's my interpretation of scorched earth. Yeah, mine too. Where they'd rather use up all of their assets fighting the fight than trying to preserve them for their kids and for their future. Right. They'd rather metaphorically burn the house down. So is there anything else about the collaborative process other than the sort of self-selection of people who work well together that can help? support people to actually work better together than they otherwise would and move them in a more cooperative direction as parents? Absolutely. The collaborative process, as you know, is a non-adversarial, multidisciplinary approach. And 
one element of that is the inclusion of coaches. And usually a psychologist, I'm sorry, a psychologist or LCSW that comes in and sort of helps the parties come to an agreement. There might be two coaches, one for each party, or there might be one joint coach. It sort of helps them talk through the areas that they're having trouble coming to a consensus on. So that the the uh, the coach would be able to help the parents sort of work through really what's not a legal issue, but an emotional issue mm-hmm. of parenting and, and come to a way of working together that's different than what they might have come to on their own. Correct. And as you point out, it's not really a legal issue. And it does make more sense to have you know other professionals that have expertise in that relevant background to become involved. Having lawyers negotiate that is not always best situation. I would say it's never the best situation. (laughs) And and not because lawyers are bad people or bad negotiators. I think as a general rule, people who went to law school to help people, despite what the general public might think about us. um, Mm -hmm. But I think just the structure of one person saying, well, you know, you tell that person, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, and the other person, you know, the lawyers just aren't in a position to be able to really settle it and to have sort of substantive conversations that are about what it is that the feelings are and kind of work it through. They're just kind of frozen. The parents' feelings kind of just get frozen in the, in the conversation with the lawyer, and the lawyer doesn't have any real power to negotiate the parenting. And so it doesn't make sense that the people who are not the actual parents of the children, who don't love the children, are negotiating for the safety of these dependents. I think it just you know makes much more sense to have the people who really do care in the room talking in a way that allows them both to express themselves and be heard maybe in a different way than they were heard in the marriage or in the relationship period. No question. I think that, yeah, I agree. And in addition to that, I would say that that sort of dovetails into the notion that collaborative is not a zero-sum game, whereas in litigation is a zero-sum game. What I mean by that is that during litigation, we're effectively dividing up the pie, you know, the, the marital estate in a way that doesn't leave room for coming to solutions that might actually increase the options that are available to the parties for settlement. Makes it collaborative is really uh, very effective at you know coming up with solutions that both parties can can accept and adding to things rather than making it really just a, a power grab, which is kind of what litigation is. Yeah. You know, what I really love about it, Cameron Goodman, is that it gives us the opportunity to really be creative. And in that creativity, and I think this is what you're talking about, we can create value for the parties in a way that they might not have seen before. So where it seemed like, you know, we have to do it this way because there's no other options, really, really can talk about what each person can bring and how they can, they and the children can benefit the situation in a way that allows for a different view of the problem. And when we look at the problem in a different way, then the opportunity for solution just is so much broader and it seems so much less locked down and so much less black and white than it would have, you know, then it sometimes feels to the parties just walking in. And I, I agree. I, I think you get more. I think you get more creative ideas when you have collaborative team. You know, there are more people involved that are coming from different professional backgrounds, and they're adding a lot to to make that happen. 
I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM, alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 5.30, or perhaps you're listening on the podcast available on divorcedialogues.com, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast apps. And I'm talking today with Cameron Goodman about the COVID pandemic and parenting and, and the opportunities to work in models outside of the court system and collaborative law and mediation. And Cameron Goodman, if someone is interested in learning more about you, uh, how could they get in touch? My website is goodmandivorce.com, uh, and my office number is 630-474-6700. Good. So let's talk about some COVID-19 co-parenting do's and don'ts. What are some things that you think parents should do during this pandemic? Well, I think for starters, they should plan ahead. They should review their allocation judgment, or I'm not sure what it's called in New York, their parenting plan. And, uh, you know, if there's going to be any traveling, make sure that the trip is approved by the other party, if they can get agreement. I, I think they should be bringing their their court orders with them, you know, so that there's, there's really no dispute. And I think that, you know, as they always would normally make the child available to the other parent um, by phone, FaceTime. Uh, and I think that it's important to, you know, follow the jurisdiction's order on COVID-19 and make sure that they've got the um, the necessary PPE, particularly if they're they're going to take a chance and, and travel by air. So I think those are some of the things to start with. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just to circle back to the beginning of the show, it's sometimes hard to know, and it can feel like and seem like and actually be that the parenting plan, the court-ordered parenting plan, is contrary to the executive order, the governor's order. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. under, in New York, we're under some very strict, still under some very strict lockdown situations and and it's it can be hard to know what to do. So if somebody doesn't know what to do, what are some resources they have for that? If they don't know uh, what to do, I think they could of course speak to an attorney and determine, you know, I think they can read the state's order on it and uh and try to reach an agreement with the other parent, be flexible. I think that you know with the flexibility might keep that uh, we're limiting travel exchanges as much as possible, which might mean that the parent that is, say, out of state from the primary parent might end up with more time in the summer to make up for maybe some lost parenting time right now. And I think that's going to be uh, something that, that makes sense to me. What are some things, Cameron Goodman, that people should not do during this time? I, I think that in general, parents should avoid traveling by air, or at least uh, it's really too risky for, I think, kids to fly alone. If, you know, if they're going to travel by air, I think they kind of need to be with a parent to make sure that they're, um, they're following the social distancing rules and wearing a mask. I think that parents should not insist on more transfers. They should not insist on, you know, parent, if the other parent says, I don't think it's safe, you know, for, for the child to travel, you know, maybe we need to be a little bit more flexible about that. Uh, and, and not insist on uh, on that parenting time happening. What we've been doing is suggesting to people who can't agree with their ex-spouse or their not married co-partner that mediation uh, can be a good way to help people resolve conflict when they do not, they can't come to an understanding and there's no access to courts. What do you think about that? I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. And I, I think that that can be done virtually, obviously. So I think that that, that is an excellent idea. I think, you know, a parenting coordinator is also a good option that can also be done virtually. Uh, a parenting coordinator is somebody that it stays often 
depending on their appointment, they stay involved in the case after, during it and after it's over to make sure that the parties, to facilitate communication between the parties and parenting issues. And, and really to try to keep the lawyers less involved and keep the parties focused more on, on reaching solutions that are in the best interest of the kids. And the parenting coordinator often does do a lot of mediation between the people. I mean, sort of maybe with a little M, but, you know, trying to figure out what each person thinks is important and then give some kind of like, I don't know, reality check, you know, as to what's possible and help them figure out various options. Is that right? Yes, that's absolutely right. Normally, I see them doing a shuttle mediation where they meet with both parties together and they meet with each party individually and then they kind of bring them together and when they're meeting with them separately, they're doing the reality testing that we're talking about. What that means is, say a parent has a position that's a little bit unreasonable, the reality testing would be to ask them questions to help them sort of arrive at, you know, at a different answer that might be more appropriate on their own without really making them feel pressured that, you know, they're being bullied into it or, you know, anything like that. So, you know, after the show, after they meet with the parties, the mediator meets with the parties separately, then bring them together and see if they've successfully been able to mediate that. And that can all be done, you know, in virtual video conference. Yeah. So, Cameron Goodman, it sounds like you have, um, I really appreciate your perspective on divorce and matrimony law, and it does sound very similar to my own. What was it that led you to the collaborative process and to really encouraging people to think about alternative ways to resolve disputes? Uh, It's effective. It's what people want. You know, I I think people started, before I became a fellow, part of the motivation was there was just a lot of demand for it. It seems to be a changing, a favorable changing dynamic in the the legal marketplace that that I think is going to be used a lot more in the future, even more than it is now. And so when you say there's um, a lot of demand for it, what is it you think that people are looking for or looking to avoid in order to try to find their own resolutions with help? I, I think they're looking to avoid the loss of control that comes with litigation. They would rather, they may not appreciate what, you know, they may not be able to articulate this way, but but they would much prefer to have control over their outcome rather than have the person in the black robe who barely knows them making a decision about the family that could affect the rest of, like it will affect the rest of their lives to some degree. So I, I think that's one of the bigger selling points. Yeah. And and when you say selling points, I think what you mean is, a, you know, attractions. It's that this stuff that I think people yearn to find a way to resolve it themselves based on what's most important to them. And they just don't know how to do that because it feels by the time they decide to divorce, like they're so stuck in the conflict that it might be impossible or they want someone to finally tell that person, you know, you are so wrong, you know, <laughs> or something like that. And yet they know that that's not really very likely. And so they just worry that they're not going to be able to get unstuck. What do you think about Yeah, that? and I, and I think people get, you know, usually it's, I mean, divorce is, processing a divorce is really processing grief, death of a marriage, right? Um, and I think people are at different places along the grief continuum. Usually the person instigating the divorce is, is reasonably far along and the other party, one, may not want it. And even if they're okay with it, it hasn't had enough time necessarily to process it because they're not initiating. Um, yeah, I think that that's right. That like, getting that people in the same place in the same time is really hard and maybe impossible to do. So trying to find a way... 
where the people can work together, even though they're in different places, is really important. And I think that the parenting coordinators or divorce coaches are great at facilitating that. Yeah. Well, Cameron Goodman, thank you so much for being our guest on Divorce Dialogue. It's been a pleasure, and stay safe. My pleasure. Uh, You as well. Thank you. Thank you.